Good morning. We're happy that you're with us. We're honored for, with your presence, especially those who are uh, visiting with us. We're honored that you've come to be with us. But we're glad to see all of you. I want to talk to you this morning about and, and continue what we've been talking about for several weeks. We're not looking in Haggai any longer. That's our Old Testament example. We need to, we need to be about building the temple of our Lord. But I want, you, I want to bring you to the New Testament. Now we'll start with some Old Testament examples this morning. But I want to talk to you about I am not ashamed. You know when you read in the Bible, sometimes uh, those words uh, carry the same meaning that we have in our English language today. But sometimes they carry an even deeper meaning. I mean biblically when you talk about ashamed, the word means humiliated. It means dishonored. You, maybe you've done nothing. Maybe you've done nothing, but you've been dishonored. You've been made ashamed. It can mean embarrassed, just like we use it in our day and age. Now, I want to show you some Old Testament examples of some people who were uh, ashamed or needed to be ashamed. Now, if you'll take your concordance, whatever you're using, whether it's book form or maybe you want to look it up on a computer or anything else, and you look up this word ashamed in the Bible, you're going to be shocked at how many times the word ashamed occurs. And I'm not going to look at all of those with you. I just want to look at a few in the Old Testament, then bring you to the New Testament concept of this as we're preparing ourselves for something major in our congregation in the next few weeks. So let's get started. Here are some examples in the Old Testament of some people who should have been ashamed. Miriam, Moses' sister, should have been ashamed along with her brother. Here's what happens in Numbers chapter 12. And if you want to look there, you're welcome to look there with me. In Numbers chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron especially Miriam, though, begins to accuse Moses. She begins to accuse him based on the fact that Moses had married an Egyptian woman. Now think about this. Where had the children of Israel just been, uh, or, or excuse me, a, uh, uh, an Ethiopian woman? I mean, they'd just been delivered out of bondage, and here's Moses, their leader, and and uh, he, he's already married a Cushite woman. Uh, I don't know whether she's died or, or what, but here he's taken an Ethiopian woman to be his wife. And Miriam, she begins to speak against Moses. And in verse number one, it says, and the Lord heard it. By the way, he hears it all. He hears it all. Be careful what you say. He hears it all. And Moses spoke to Aaron and to Miriam and to Moses and said, get out of your tents and come to the tabernacle. Now, I don't know about you, that had frightened me right there. But maybe they thought, hey, it's like so many other times. He's got a message for us. He's got something he wants us to do. Whatever it was, the Lord speaks to these three, to Aaron, to Miriam, and to Moses and says, you get here to the temple and God comes down in a pillar of cloud into the door of the temple. And he says, Miriam and Aaron, step forward. 
not Moses, Miriam and Aaron step forward. And they do. They step forward. And he and, and, and in the course of this speaking out against Moses, I should tell you that, that Miriam goes so far as to say, has, has God only spoken to Moses? Well, he speaks, he, he, he speaks to, uh, to, to you through us as well. We're equal with Moses. And God says to him, here, in the door of this temple, he says, if I... This is verse 6. If, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. So if there's a prophet among you, like you say you are, Miriam, like you say Aaron is, I'll speak to him in a vision. I'll speak to him in a dream. I'll speak to him in darkness. But listen to this. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, face to face, not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. So why weren't you afraid to speak against Moses? And God causes Miriam to be struck with leprosy. And Aaron sees the leprosy on his sister Miriam and he turns to Moses now. Moses didn't cause the leprosy, but he turns to Moses and he says to Moses, verse number 11, My Lord, I beseech you, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly. We have sinned. We've sinned. And Moses, as Moses would, as Moses would, he cries out to the Lord and he says, Healer now, O God, I beseech you. Now look what the Lord says concerning Miriam. Verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, she should be ashamed for seven days. I don't know exactly where that comes from. I know that in, in uh, Moses' reading of the law the second time in Deuteronomy that Moses mentions a son who's rebellious against his parents and if the son is rebellious against his parents his father is to spit in that son's face and then bring him to the gates of the city to be judged maybe that's what he's, re he's referring to we are this side we are this side of the law of Moses being given Maybe that's what you're maybe it's just a it's just a general thing that you don't dishonor your parents. You don't do that. And if the if your child does dishonor you, dad, you got a responsibility. Spit in his face. Spit in her face. Make her ashamed. Make him ashamed of this. And then the son, the child, the daughter, is to respond accordingly. In a proper way. Listen to it. He says, if her father had but spit in her face, she should have been ashamed for seven days. She's done greater than this. She's spoken against a man that I don't, I don't give him a word in a vision. I don't give him a word in a dream. I don't give, give him a word out of darkness. I speak to him face to face. Mouth to mouth. 
Let her be shut out of the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received again. I want to take you back to the phrase. Should she not be ashamed seven days? The point is this. Out of pride, Miriam, you've spoken against my servant Moses. Out of pride, you put yourself on an equal standing with my servant Moses. You ought to be ashamed. You ought to be ashamed. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30, we have the account of, uh, of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Hezekiah has, uh, uh, Judah has gone through some, some uh, uh, times of uh, building groves and worshiping idols and doing things like that. But King Hezekiah becomes king and he begins a reform. He, he cleanses the, 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 the land of many of these things. He does away with them. He makes reforms. And then he says, okay, now it's time for us to observe the Passover. Verse number 5 of 2 Chronicles chapter 30, at the end of that, says that they had not done this in a long time. It had been a while. It had been a long time since they had observed the Passover. He gave a decree, verse number 30, he gave a decree uh, uh, for uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. By the way, those are northern tribes. Those are, were part of that northern kingdom. He, gave, he gave, sent letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. He's not just trying to reform Judah. He's seeking to reform Israel. He sends letters to Ephraim and Manasseh. You need to come to Jerusalem. To observe the Passover of the Lord. Here's the reason. The Lord had taken count, uh, the king had taken counsel and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. But they couldn't. Here's the reason. Look at verse 3. They could not keep it at that time. They couldn't keep it in the second month because the priest had not sanctified themselves sufficiently. Neither had the people gathered themselves together at Jerusalem. And this thing displeased the king. And so he establishes this decree, verse number 5. And I want you to notice it. He sends this decree from Beersheba. That's the southernmost border of the nation of Judah. He sends the decree from, from Beersheba even to Dan. That's the northernmost point of the northern kingdom. So this reform doesn't just have to do with Judah. This has to do, let's reform not just Judah, let's reform all of God's chosen people. And he sent it to them that they should come to the Passover of the Lord, God of Israel at Jerusalem. And so he sends it to them. He, he tells them in verse number 8, don't be proud. Don't be stiff-necked about this now. Don't be proud. Come do this. You haven't been doing it. You need to come do this. You haven't been doing this. You need to come do it. Don't be proud about this. Don't be stiff-necked. Yield yourselves to the Lord 
Enter his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever. Serve the Lord God, that the fierceness of his wrath may not turn, may be turned away from you. Here's the response, verse number 10. So the post passed from city to city, through the country, from e of Ephraim and Manasseh, even unto Zebulun, but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. So what's their response? They were proud. They were stiff-necked. Hey, you think we're not doing right? Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. And they laughed them to scorn. And they mocked them. Verse number 11 says, Oh, there were a few from Asher and from Manasseh and of Zebulun who humbled themselves and they came to Jerusalem. Now listen, listen to this. Verse number 12, you with me? And in Judah, the hand of God was with them, was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and the princes by the word of the Lord. The God's at work. God's at work. He gave them a heart to keep this commandment in Judah. And so here's what happened. And there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month. A very great congregation. So the nation of Judah shows up and you've got a few, a few out of Ephraim and Manasseh and Zebulun who come who humbled themselves. But you've got this massive group of people, this multitude of people out of Judah who show up at the tabernacle, who show up there in, uh, or at the temple in order to observe this feast of the Passover. This multitude, verse 14, they arose and they took away the altars that were in Jerusalem, the ones who hadn't been cleansed out yet. And all the altars for incense, they took away and they threw them in the Kidron Brook. Here's your verse, verse 15. And they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the second month. And the priest and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves. They ought to be ashamed. Here's a multitude of people that's shown up to observe the Passover and it couldn't be observed on the day that it had been set aside to be observed. Why? They hadn't sanctified themselves. But when they see a great crowd of people that shows up, oh, now they're embarrassed. Now they're embarrassed. The embarrassment led them to sanctify themselves and brought in the burnt offerings in the house of the Lord. At least it worked out in a positive way, right? They were ashamed. They were embarrassed. But their shame and embarrassment amounted to repentance on their part. In Jeremiah chapter 6, God speaks through Jeremiah, his prophet, warnings and condemnation upon the nation of Judah, upon that southern kingdom. I mean, you don't have any trouble figuring out why it's done. Listen to what the Lord says. This is verse number 6. The Lord says, Cut down those trees. Cast a mound about Jerusalem. This is the city to be visited. Listen to this. Here, here's what was going on in Jerusalem. She is holy oppression in the midst of her. 
You couldn't live in Jerusalem at that time without being oppressed, without being pushed down. You try to serve God, they push you down. They ought to have been the ones who were encouraging, encouraging you to serve your God, to serve the one true God. But instead, the very people that ought to have been encouraging it were oppressing it, were oppressing it. If you look in verse number 7, it says, Like a fountain cast out water, she casts out her wickedness. Jerusalem wasn't just satisfied in making Jerusalem wicked. She cast that wickedness out to everybody else she could have an influence over. And she made them wicked. He says that violence and spoil is heard in her. Before me continuously is grief and wounds. He gives a warning. Be instructed. Listen. Change. Change. Stop those ways. Verse 13 says, Though from the least of them even unto the greatest of them, everyone is covetous, uh, is given to covetousness. Listen to them. Here's what's going on in Jerusalem. Here's what sickened God. From the least of them to the greatest of them, they were everyone given to covetousness. They were everyone given over to, What can I get for me? What can be done for me? Instead of doing for the Lord, what can be done for me? Exactly the same thing Haggai was dealing with that we've been talking to. Oh, it's not time to build the Lord's house, but it's time to build yours. They were everyone given to covetousness. What do you think they ought to have been? You think they ought to have been ashamed? They ought to have been ashamed. Look what their response was. <laughs> oh, he says, verse 14, even their prophets have, have you know, they okay, they gave a little comfort to my, to my country. Who, when, when I prophesy like this, they're saying to him, don't worry about it. It's just old Jeremiah. Peace. Peace. It doesn't matter. Peace. Verse 15. God, through his prophet, asked these questions. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. And at that, I, at, at, and at that time I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. But he loves these people. He loves these people. And so he encourages them again. And here's that famous verse, or should be among us. Verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways. Stand, st just, stand, just stand here and look. Okay, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. You can choose. Stand in the ways. But stand in the ways and seize. Don't just stand there. Stand there and make a determination. Is this the way we should go? 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 Stand in the ways and see, he says, and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way and walk in it. 
and you shall find rest for your souls. Look at your options. Look at your options. But look at them honestly. Look at them. Investigate them. And then ask for the old paths. That's the good way. And walk in it. Surely they would. Surely they would. But look how the verse ends. But they said, we will not walk therein. Should they have been ashamed? God offers them the good path. The path where he'll be with them. If he's not with them, folks, it's not good. It's not good. And they said, we won't, we won't walk it. We're not going down that road. We're not doing it. They should have been ashamed. But they weren't and they couldn't even blush about it. You come to the pages of the New Testament. You find old Jesus saying he's ashamed. Or will be ashamed. This is Luke chapter 9. Jesus says he'll be ashamed. Now, folks, unlike those people, it's not because he's done anything wrong. I want you to note that. Jesus said he'll be ashamed, but it won't be because he's done anything wrong. I've got verse 26 up there for you. I want to begin with you in verse 23. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same will save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and he lose himself or be cast away? Here you go. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. If any man's ashamed of me and of my words, I'll be ashamed. I'll be ashamed. The Lord is ashamed. The Lord is ashamed of timid disciples. He's ashamed. Of us when we're timid about talking to others and sharing Him with other people. He's ashamed of us because of our timidity. He's ashamed of us, church. He's ashamed of us. Are we ashamed of our timidity? Should we be? I'll ask that question. Should we be ashamed that we're timid? He is embarrassed. To be associated with cowards. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's embarrassed to be associated with cowards. Well, I, I, I'm afraid. I, I'm, I'm fr oh, you're afraid? Then he's, he's ashamed. He's ashamed. And he will not confess that he knows you. He will not confess that you're one of his. If you're going to be timid about telling others about him, if you're going to be embarrassed of him and of his word, 
that he's not going to confess you as one of his own. He'll be ashamed of you when he comes again in his glory and in the name of his Father and with his holy angels. <laughs> Jesus could be ashamed. He could be ashamed of you and me right here, right now. Sitting in this building, he could be ashamed of us. Should he be? Should he be? But you know the good thing about this is you read in the New Testament about some people that God's never ashamed of. I hope you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Remember, it's that great faith chapter. By faith. Abel, by faith. Enoch, by faith. Noah, by faith. Abraham, by faith. Sarah, by faith. Moses, by faith. By faith. By faith. I'm taking you to verse number 16. He's talking about these people. And he says, But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Because he's prepared for them a city. Now that's where I want to be. How about you? I, want, I don't want God to be ashamed to call me his God. I, I don't want my Lord, when he comes, to be ashamed and to, and to say, hey, he's, I don't know him. I don't know him. He was timid. He was timid. I don't know him. He was a coward. He wouldn't say anything about me. He wouldn't acknowledge me. He was ashamed of me. He was ashamed of, the, of my words. I don't want that. And I know you don't either. We don't have to be. We can be like these people. They weren't sinless. They weren't sinless. I mean, you read about Noah. Sinless, right? He got drunk. Didn't he? He got drunk. Abraham lied on, on at least two occasions, didn't he? Abraham lied. Moses. Moses was told to speak to a rock and he struck a rock. Sarah. Sarah. She laughed when God said, you'll have a son this time next year. She laughed. They weren't sinless. But folks... They trusted God. And because they trusted God, they were obedient to Him. God can work with people like that who will just trust Him and be obedient. And so He's not ashamed to be called their God. They walk by faith. They walk by faith. And they believe in God's promises. They just trust in Him. Look at verse 13, what, what verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11 says about these people that he's just described by saying, God's not ashamed now to be called their God. Watch what he says. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. They all died in faith, not having received the promises. Guess what you've received? I'm going to give you a second to think about it. They did never received the promise. Guess what you've received? The promise. And they weren't timid? And they weren't ashamed? They weren't cowards? 
but you're going to be. And you want the Lord to be proud of you. And not be ashamed to call you as God. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off, they were persuaded of them. And they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They recognized they were not citizens of this earth trying to get to heaven. They are citizens of heaven trying to get through this earth. And they weren't ashamed to confess, that's who I am. That's who I am. They weren't there. May, it, may this be true of us, folks. May this be true of us. What Paul said in Romans 1.16 as he writes that great letter to the church at Rome. Remember? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the power of God unto salvation to all that believe. If you want salvation, you're going to have to believe this gospel. And obey it. I'm not ashamed of it, he says. I'm not ashamed of it. In Philippians chapter 1 and the verse is 20. Before I read this to you folks, let me remind you where Paul is at. Paul is in prison in Rome when he writes this. Listen to him. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. <laughs> let, me, let me remind you. This is the man who said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That if Christ be not raised from the dead. I'm of all men most to be pitied. Here he says. Here he says though. That it's my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. In nothing will I be pitied. Nothing. But that with all boldness, with all boldness as always, so now in Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Would you die for Jesus? Would you die for him? If someone said, you deny Christ or you die, would you be embarrassed and say, huh. would you be timid? Would you be cowardly and say, oh, did you say die? Oh, no. I don't know him. He's nothing to me. whether by life or by death. I'm not ashamed, he said. The second Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12, Paul says, for I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know. I don't think. I don't guess. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded 
that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And so my brothers and sisters, here's what I'm urging us. I'm urging us to be what John, the great apostle John, urged his readers, you and I, to be. Listen to it, 1 John 2.28. And now, little children, abide in him. When he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. When our Lord comes, we don't want to be one of those who was ashamed of him. We don't want to be one of those. Why? Because Jesus said, Whoever's ashamed of me and of my words, of him will I be ashamed. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be the timid. We don't want to be the cowardly. We want to be those who are bold in our faith. And that's all we're asking. Folks, sometimes you just got to start with little steps. Sometimes it's been so long, we haven't done it in so long. Kind of like the observing of the Passover back then. They hadn't done it in a while, so they didn't think about doing it this year. They hadn't done it in a while, so they didn't think about doing it the next year. They hadn't done it in a while, so they didn't think about doing it. They didn't think about doing it. They didn't think about doing it until someone stood up and said, we're going to do this now. We're going to do this. We'll start with baby steps. With baby steps. On October the 5th, we're going to join with other Christians all over the United States in a national day of door knocking. We're not asking you to go preach a sermon. We're not asking that. All we're asking is that you get out of this building and you just go out and you just use a technique that we're going to show you just to meet folks and to say, have you received this in the mail? If so, have you read it? If they haven't, either way, either way, we're, we're Christians who are sending this into your home by mail. And we're just here letting you know that we have services, Bible study at 930, worship services at 1015, and then again at 5 o'clock. On Sundays, and a great Bible study at 7 o'clock on Wednesday evenings. And we want you to know you're welcome there anytime. That's all we're asking of you. Now, if someone says, well, I sure would enjoy someone coming to my home, we're not going to turn that down, are we? We're not going to turn that down, but maybe you're not ready to do that. You just come back with that kind of information. We're not going to send you out by yourself. We're going to go out in groups. We're going to go out in pairs. We're doing everything we can to make this as easy for you as can. Just start with a baby step. But I'm pleading with you. Don't be a timid Christian. Don't be a timid Christian. Don't be a coward. There's a list on those tables out in the foyer. We're going to be organizing and getting into these groups. We need to know we can count on you. So before you leave this building this morning, you sign your name there. I'm not ashamed. You can count on me to be a door knocker on October the 5th. You let us know. We'll start formulating those groups and putting you together with people that will work together. We'll get this done.
we just start with little steps, little steps. And folks, you get, you got to come over that. You got you got to come out of that timidity. You got to come out of that cowardice, because you don't want the Lord to be ashamed of him, uh, of you. So don't you be ashamed of Him and of His work. Great, we're good to go. That's what we want from you. That's all we want from you. Just a little step, okay? A little step. A hundred percent of us. A hundred percent. You say, he's not talking to me. He's not talking. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you. So let us know. Help us out. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. We, won't, you won't, we don't even have to wait to knock on your door. We'll invite you, encourage you right now to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, to become a Christian. That's what a disciple is. They were first called Christians, those disciples were, at Antioch, Acts eleven twenty six. We're inviting you to become what they became and to live like they lived then. So if you're here, you're not a Christian. Come with that heart full of faith with an attitude and a disposition of repentance, of turning back to the Lord, turning away from your old ways, turning to Him, to denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, following after Him. You come, acknowledge your faith in Him. We'll baptize you into Christ this morning. You'll go home, child of God. What a wonderful thing that would be for you. What a wonderful blessing it would be for us to help you. If you're here, you're our brother and sister in Christ. It may be that you just need prayer not to be a coward, not to be timid, and to step out with boldness. We'll pray for you. We're praying for you already. We'll pray for you in a public way and in a personal way. That You let us know if you had need and desires. You do that now, but come to the front. Do that now as we stand and sing.